0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, I have Figs O'Sullivan. Figs is a licensed marriage and family therapist that has spent years working with frustrated couples at the crossroads in their relationship. He is the founder of Empathy, which provides fun, effective, and simple solutions to help couples see their relationships in a new light, communicate better, and experience greater emotional and physical intimacy. So welcome to the show, Figs.
1: Thank you so much, Amy, for having me on.
0: Okay, so I'm just going to jump right in here because it's fresh on my mind. This morning I presented to 10 men about things that Victory Men's Health has to offer – we talked about hormones, and they had a lot of great questions. But one of the questions that they had was around intimacy and a relationship. And they had questions around sex drive and how to increase their partner's sex drive to match theirs. So I'm curious, how do you handle relationships that the intimacy has died off, or maybe the intimacy never was really where the partner wanted it to be?
1: Yeah, well, it's a great question, right? I'm straight in. So I'm what is referred to kind of as an emotion-first therapist. And so what I would try and do is try and understand both members of the couple, what are the feelings and difficult thoughts that come up for both of them about sex and intimacy in their relationship, and that the idea is if it can create... A container in which they're not trying to solve how to have a satisfying sex life, right? That's not what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do within this first container is make sure we understand ourselves and each other and that we have empathy and compassion for ourselves and each other. Then... That is the foundation upon which we now can move into a second container. And that second container is now that we really know ourselves and each other and we accept, validate, and empathize with each other, now we are best resourced to try and resolve how do we have a better sex life with each other.
0: Yeah, so what's going on in the relationships? Let's just use work. Maybe there's children involved. And you get on this hamster wheel and this cycle – Do you see couples starting to lose like intimacy, like just the simple touch, like the holding the hands, the communicating at dinner? Is that what starts to break apart? Why you then see the sex start to become less and less or what else is going on there?
1: So, again, so I, I guess I'm two things. One is I'm, like I said, emotion first. And then what is emotion, right? We all need to be emotionally bonded from the cradle to the grave. That is the most famous quote about attachment theory by john Bowlby, the person that created it is we all need to be attached from the cradle to the grave so attachment is primary from my point of view right so emotional bonding is primary and there are two main sides of wounding in love emotional bonding wise and that is someone is likely to feel some variation of i'm not important to you or you're not there for me And then the second one is I'm not enough for you or you don't accept me as who I am, right? I'm never good enough.
0: Give me some examples of those that your patients would give you when they feel that way.
1: Right. So firstly, by the way, and just as small, I don't mean to be pedantic, right? I don't refer to my clients as patients.
0: Okay, sorry. Because they're not sick
1: people. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's just good to know, right? They don't think of them as sick people, just regular human beings that are doing the best they can in life and life. All relationships take work right? So definitely not sick people if they're working on their relationship. So an example of that, the most common dynamic there is in a relationship from an emotional bonding perspective is one member of the couple feels they really don't actually matter that much to their partner or their partner has more eye consciousness. They're more into, these are my needs. I want to have sex. I'm like really into my golf on the weekends. It's March Madness. I got to have my time like in front of the TV because like, you know, it only comes around once a year. And what their partner really hears is something else is more important than me slash us for you. And that just really hurts at the deepest level, right? Because their deep love need is that we are a team, that we are the priority. And so anything that hints that the we is not the priority, it's going to hurt them and they're going to feel threatened and they will react. And the way they were most likely to react is they will protest in a way that's going to sound like blaming or complaining, right, criticizing their partner. Then the partner that lands the most common dynamic is like, I just got told I'm unacceptable. No matter what I do, it's not enough. I'm a disappointment again. I just did the dishes last night, and now I'm not allowed to watch eight hours of basketball (laughs) on Friday. It makes no sense, right? You know, they're they're like, it's just like, you don't understand my love of basketball. I could have been an athlete, right? (laughs) If only I had the right training, I'd be out there. So now they just got told I'm unacceptable. They feel powerless. They feel really bad inside. And so they defend themselves, right? Protest their innocence, or they shut down and pull away, which confirms for the first person, oh my God, I just got even more evidence that I slash us is not your priority. Even when I try and tell you I'm hurting, you just won't do it. Now, so let's say that's the emotional bonding cycle. It is not uncommon that then that cycle gets flipped Than when it comes to sexual intimacy. So let's say that's what's playing out. It's March, right? Again, I know nothing about basketball, right? But I happen to, a client told me it's March Madness, right? So basically, now, this is what's played out this week in this couple's house. And let's just say it's the wife that felt not prioritized emotionally and the husband felt, you know, heterosexual and they're married, right? In this example relationship, they felt like, you just don't accept me. So they're already emotionally disconnected. And then the husband does their hormone replacement therapy. And now they're all ready to go on Friday night. They're putting Barry White on or Manalo if that's your gig. And they expect a wife is going to be available now, even though they feel like, look, I'm not a priority to you. And now you want to get, do sexy time with me. Forgive my French, but that's not going to fly. They're not going to be available until they actually feel like we truly are a team and you love me above March madness.
0: I think it's because we mainly deal with men, but we're typically seeing the man wanting their partner to have increased drive. But I'm not sure that's always necessarily the reality. So what are you seeing in a relationship typically?
1: The question that you just opened up with, that like you talked to 10 guys and they were like, hey, we want to get down and my partner, my spouse isn't into it. Those 10 people, if that was the main question, that that sure sounds like it. And that's what I would hypothesize as probably happening. But one of the things that I've been really blown away by is I think it's at least as common, if not more so, that it is the woman that actually wants more sexual intimacy and the man is more internal and shuts down emotionally and it doesn't have contact with their body. And they actually keep their sexuality separate from the person they're most familiar with because it starts to feel incestuous. There's the archetype of the Madonna and the whore the mom is the madonna wife is the madonna madonnas are not sexual beings other women are sexual beings so they don't know how to be in their sexuality with their madonna their wife but other women (laughs) way look at you walking down the street in your miniskirt right they're able to feel their sexuality but then they hide or cover up or constrict not consciously their sexuality when it comes to their actual intimate partner. Honestly, I find that more common. Now, I know the story and the culture is the man is like, oh, I can't wait to have it. My wife won't put it out. Honestly, it's not actually what I see most of the time. I see the man is not okay being sexually intimate in an emotionally intimate relationship, which guess what? That's what your wife's going to be because it's too familiar.
0: I want to clarify the word intimacy and sex. So when you're saying intimacy, what exactly are you referring to there? And is it different than whenever you reference sex?
1: Well, I mean, the general when I say intimacy is that we're connecting with each other, right? Just the way we are right now it's intimate, it's vulnerable, I'm being me and you're being you, and we both have a risk. There's a risk that I'm going to be um, abandoned or rejected, whether that's emotionally or sexually, right? And those things, it's just like nature nurture, right? It's a continuum. There isn't really just a pure divide. Like the emotional intimacy is magnified and the emotional risk is, is magnified for most people in the sexual realm. This idea that we're going to have emotion-free sex, right? And long-term, you might be able to do that like in Vegas on Friday, right? Possibly. And supposedly no one will know other than you living with it for the rest of your life, you know, and your priest. All right. But when it comes to long-term relationship, all of that fear of being rejected and abandoned is just going to be part of your sexual relationship. Or you can drink, right? Do MDMA to try and like, let's keep these vulnerable emotions out of it or like dull them down so we can tolerate, right? Showing up or we can pretend, which again, there's nothing wrong with pretending we can role play. I'll dress up as a nun, you be a priest. Let's go to the confessional, right? You know, you can role play and have fun, of course, right? But now, my wife and I have not, I made that <laughs> up, by the way. <laughs> on the fly. Don't. I know you just saw that. Exactly. That, that came too easily, right? <laughs> so in terms of sexual intimacy, it's not uncommon, let's say, for a man. Their emotional body, like feeling their feelings, is a little bit more inaccessible. But, you know, they have more access, let's say, to their sex organs. Well, hey, they've discovered that at 12. They're woohoo! But they, like, their emotional body, they've been numbing all their life. So, like, in an ideal world there'd be some way they could grow their access to their body not just sexually right and i often like go do massage go do dance Watch emotionally evocative movies, read poems. I know it's crazy. See if you can get the your emotional pipes flowing, both from inspiration, vulnerability, and then see if you can be a vulnerable person and connect with another, because chances are that's the foreplay your missus really wants.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if I answered
1: your question yeah. exactly. No, you didn't. You know.
0: So since you were talking about the weekend in Vegas, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, let's talk a little bit about infidelity and how you help your clients through that in a marriage.
1: Let's say there's an affair has happened. And obviously one person feels unbelievably betrayed. They're devastated. Their whole world has been turned upside down. And the other person is now feeling terrible. I'm not trusted and I'll never be trusted again. One person I'll never be able to trust again and the other person I'll never be trusted again. And let's just assume that they actually want to make it work, right? They want to find a way. Is there any way we can repair the damage of what's happened and stay together and make it work, right? And not just put a band on it, like. Some people are like, look, how do I get her to be okay or him to be okay so that we can put this behind us, right? And move on, right? That person's probably going to have a rude awakening that doesn't work like that. We're not going to be able to just slap some hydrogen peroxide on this and a band aid on top and like off you go, right? It's going to be a process, it's going to be painful, right? And it might be forever. You're never going to leave the process ever. Right, which is very depressing for both people to hear. So the first thing I do, let's see if I can be brief, is I got to tell the person that had been betrayed, "Hey, listen, no one has a right to even ask you to be here. If I was you, I'd have already slashed their tires, passport would have been burned, right? Picture sent to all their family, fuck them. I'm with you. Listen." <laughs> You have no business being asked. No one should be asking you to forgive them or even try and work on the relationship. Really important, right, that I validate that person that just got betrayed. Just the fact that you're here is amazing. I'm never going to try and make you play nice and forgive and like, oh, be all loving and kind now to this person that betrayed you. Right. That's essential. Now, it's also essential, and if I do that well enough, I can turn to the person that messed up, let's say, because that's how they feel, because they actually want to make things better, right? And go, hey, look, this really sucks. I'm sorry, man, or woman, right? That your life, this is like, this is as bad as it gets. You hurt the person that you love. They may never be able to trust you again, and you have to live with that. My heart goes out to you. What a fucking nightmare. They're going to validate and accept both of them exactly the way they are. And now, if we can do that well enough where they go, okay, like at least this person gets where both of us are and neither of us have to be. when No one's getting their their nose stuck in the dog poop, you know, the way we used to train dogs, not to poop in the house, right? It doesn't work, right? We know it doesn't work. Both people are hurting. It's a disaster for both people. So now I got, let's say, two main things I have to do. One is we actually have the, have the missing experience. The missing experience of relationship is always the same. The details are different. The issue is different. You weren't there for me then. You clearly didn't get how it would have hurt me then. But it looks like you're here now and you get it now and you give a shit now the way you couldn't give a shit then. And you show up and you love the shit out of me now and I can see you're here now, and I can give you a chance to be here now. Okay, I just said that and whatever that is, 10 seconds, as you could imagine, craft getting people to the threshold of that experience, and then they get over the threshold of that experience themselves, and they have that missing experience. That's the craft of the work. I can say it really quickly, and obviously, I enjoy chatting, right? Like, I can say it, but the real skill of my work is I actually have people have that experience. Haven't provided you had a family emergency and you didn't pick your kid up from school. We got to do the same thing. There's a missing experience. You weren't there for me then. I don't give a shit what happened in your family. You're my mom. Like, get the fucking school and pick me up. Yeah. And you're like, instead of defending yourself, yeah, but look, like, my family member, no, he's like, no, listen, you're totally right. I didn't show up. It doesn't matter what I was doing. You got hurt. It makes sense. You were embarrassed. You felt ashamed and you had to make excuses for me. I really understand what you had to go through. And I am really sorry. It makes me sick to my stomach. I will be here at school for you every day because I freaking know how much I mean to you. And I love you. Will you give me another chance? Because I get it now. This is the same thing. We just have to do the same thing. So that's one. So, the second thing we have to do, and this is the part that is very hard to ask the betrayed to do the second part, right? When I say the second part, we have to do them in lockstep. Is we look, there was some system this couple was in that could have led to someone heading off to Vegas for the weekend and like, you know, having like fun with feathers and like, I don't know, (laughs) bunny rabbit ears, right? There is some system. That just had never been brought to the surface. Look, I feel bad about myself. I'm not okay with sharing my sexuality with you. I got to go elsewhere to express my sexuality. (laughs) I've always felt alone and you weren't here for me. And so that's why I've been bitching and moaning. At some point, we have to study what was the system you guys were in that could have led to this emotional connection vacuum that something bad could have happened But again, imagine if I started off with the person that got betrayed. Hey, let's look at how you collaborated with your cheating spouse to make this happen, right? Like, you know, you can imagine I'd have a black eye. Not going over well.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's not going over well. But look, but we do need to do those two things. And that's like, again, the craft is balancing those. We try and do one and it doesn't work out and we got to like try a bow on it, and then we try and do the other. It fails somewhere along the process, and then we got to... Anyway, so that's kind of a summary of what I try and help couples do.
0: Do you have couples come out stronger on the other side?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, let's just say, like, bowed people, all human beings, they have places inside that they're hurt and wounded in love, and they have learned strategies to protect themselves from being hurt again. Those strategies become their character, their personality. They don't even realize they're in strategy to make sure they don't get hurt. So they walk around thinking this strategy, this personality style is who I am, right? And they're never going to get a chance to see themselves from the outside and like actually no longer just be a strategy to not get hurt until something bad enough happens. That they see the impact of their strategy on another and they get to feel the pain. Oh, my God, this isn't working out that well for me. And so we can now be our true vulnerable selves and actually show up and love ourselves and someone else as we actually are, not as our personalities and our character strategies. So look, it sucks. Most people won't do the work until they hit something bad enough that they actually have to go, oh shit, what I've been doing today, is isn't working.
0: Yeah. And so how, if you have one person that's willing to go to counseling and one person that's not willing, how do you navigate that? What suggestions would you have for a listener that might be in that situation?
1: It's a great question. So look, my first job in America, I was a stockbroker, right? Back in the days when we were called stockbrokers, right? And so I got really good sales training. You know, they'd bring in actors and like I'm literally cold calling people, trying everything to browbeating people to be nice with people. Like, anyway, it was really shocking the first person I browbeat someone into making an order over the telephone, like just like, you know, nagging them, making them feel shit about themselves. Shocking that that actually works, right? But anyway, here's what I learned from that time. Make ask for a small order, small order, one session. Don't be saying, hey, I think we need to go to couples counseling. It's probably going to be a six month to 12 month process where we're going to discover ourselves and discover each other and dance naked in a room in front of a therapist, right? Like no one's going, right? They're not going. But if you go here, listen, come one time, the fella, look, he's bald. He's even bolder than you. He's got a really ridiculous accent. You got to at least hear it. He looks like Shrek. (laughs) <laughs> and he tells me he's got a 100 percent record that no one's ever died in the first session. <laughs> so everybody gets out of life, and if you don't like it, you never have to go again. Ever. OK, so now you actually set up a small little order that, okay, I can part with seven bucks, right? I'm saying like if it, like a tripwire and, and online marketing, right? It's not seven bucks, right? You've made it as easy as possible to get them in the door, get them in the process. Then the other thing that I learned the hard way as a stockbroker, I still remember first time a business owner wrote me like a six-figure check. I go into I'm like 22, 23 years old. I go into some like 50-year-old's office, sell some, I don't even know what the bloody investment was. And he writes me like a six-figure check. And I kept talking. I kept selling features of the investment. Well, guess what he did? Five minutes after I kept talking. He reached across the table and took the check back. Wow. Once you have the order, one session, shut up. Get out. (laughs) Don't say anything else. Get out of the room, right? No more talking. So that's very practical sales advice. Ask for one session. Get the agreement to one session. Don't hurt yourself. Don't fall over a lamp as you're trying to exit the room. But get out when you have the order. Say not another word
0: you mentioned that most people don't address the issue until they just like hit a brick wall and they're forced into talking about it. So what are some of the communication or emotional skills that you would give to somebody that's maybe in a serious relationship or maybe thinking about taking that next commitment into marriage? What it's like, hey, these are some basic things you need to do to build a solid foundation for this relationship. Well, you got to
1: understand attachment theory. I gotta mean, be, look, you just gotta understand attachment theory. And look, unfortunately, most of the writing videos about attachment theory is very pathologizing. So, look, I'm biased, right? I have this company, empathy with a an 9 dot n.com, and we built a quiz for people. It's not meant to be a sales pitch, right? But we changed the language to be very loving, very understanding, very validating of all human beings. It's not pathologizing. But when you understand attachment theory, you have a model. Again, it's the best theory of what love is. It is the most solid theory in all of psychology, right? It's like if there was any theory in psychology that you could hang your hat on and expect your hat to be there the next morning, it would be attachment theory, right? So we know what love is and attachment theory explains it. So you should know what attachment theory is, right? That's the first thing, right, that we all need to be emotionally bonded from the cradle to the grave, if you then look at yourself and your partner and what you co-create with each other through that lens, everything you do and say and feel makes sense, everything they do and feel makes sense, everything every person in the world does and says, all of a sudden you have a model to make sense of everybody, right? Even that asshole driving down the freeway, cutting people off. Would you look at that fella? He must feel awful unmet and powerless to be driving around like a lunatic and shouting at people. Ah. Huh. Would you look at me feeling not considered and all hurting and now I'm in judgment of them? Just attachment explains everything. So that's the first thing. The second thing, and I kind of alluded to it there, is you just got to understand systems theory. You're not islands. We all got obsessed here in America. And again, I'm an American citizen by choice. I swore allegiance or whatever after my five years with a green card. But everybody's obsessed with individualism and we are not, we're an interdependent species. We're not these separate islands. You're always creating positive feedback loops with other people. And unfortunately, a lot of the times, those positive feedbacks don't feel very positive. When you're hurting, you react. When you react, it hurts the other person and they react, gets you more hurt, confirms you should react more. People are doing that shit with each other all the time. So you should understand and focus more not on how can I change, how can my partner change, what is the system that we are co-creating with each other because of our need to be emotionally bonded slash attached. Those two things, they're the most important things because that's the foundation. Then we can add all of your, like, sharing your vulnerability and putting cream on date night on each other's noses and (laughs) licking it off and you know, whatever all those other skills are. There's no point learning all those other skills until you understand attachment theory and systems theory.
0: Are there good books that you recommend? Or I know you said you have some stuff on your website, but yeah,
1: you know, again, obviously I'm biased. My wife and I have a podcast. It's called a come here to me podcast. We actually share our own sessions as the clients as the couple and we talk about our own relationship i explain attachment theory systems theory and episodes the reason i kind of because it's all very loving accepting it's not pathologizing we come from it as emotional experts not researchers scientists cold And then, like I said, I built a web app for couples. We've had 16,000 couples go through it. It'll categorize who you are from an attachment perspective. We just use more loving language. If you take the quiz together, we will then actually combine your answers so that we give you what we call your system report, your relationship system report, and it'll give you an illustration of who you are together and what you co-create with each other. That's where I would start. In terms of the best layperson's book, I would recommend Sue Johnson's Hold Me Tight or Love Sense. Sue Johnson is the creator of Emotionally Focused Couples Therapy. It's the gold standard of how to help couples from an attachment perspective. She's amazing, right? I stand upon her work, right? You know, like I wouldn't be here without her. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd be able to be married without her, right? And what she did, what I've learned through her. And so her two books, Hold Me Tight and Love Sense, are about as good... Lay people books,
0: I think. I'll attach those in the show notes too so people can easily find this. So as the old saying goes, opposites attract. Is that true? Absolutely. Why?
1: The main reason, and I hope this is like, remember I kind of alluded to archetypes earlier, the Madonna and the whore? Yep. Right, the Madonna whore archetype. And then another archetype, remember I corrected you, I don't think of my clients as patients because there's the archetype of the wounded healer. If all I am is the healer, there's no no more energy left within the archetype, within the system of me and my clients for them to be other than wounded. So if I'm going to be able to help my clients, I need to have as much access to my wounded parts as my healer parts. Makes sense. Because then they can have, they're not only wounded people, they also can access their healer parts, right? Just yin and yang, right? If I have all of the white of the yin, there's nothing left for the other person to have than the yang. So- Let's say like in, in wounding and love, there's a human heart and one side is feeling abandoned, right? Or not a priority. And the other side is I feel rejected, powerless, I'm never good enough no matter what I do. The simplest way. Someone that is a 7 out of 10 or an 8 out of 10 of I feel abandoned. My sensitivity is am I really important to you? Are we really a team? Is going to get together with a 7 or an 8 out of 10. On a, I feel powerless no matter what I do, it's not enough. Because they form a perfectly balanced archetype. Now, like to the human psyche, it feels, this is a fucking nightmare. But... With that balance with each other, they actually balance each other out to perfect, energetic, emotional balance. And if those two people want to have a better relationship, what we need to do is help both of them. Let's say they're 8 out of 10 and I'm sensitive to being abandoned. 8 out of 10, I'm sensitive to being rejected for not being good enough. Well, let's get them both to 5s out of 10. They still are a perfect balance. And then the other part of it, if that didn't make sense, right? If that was too hard to follow. The other part of it is, look, you actually hold the key. Let's say it's true that one person, their deepest wounding is I need to know I'm a priority and I'm not going to be abandoned. There's no point in them finding someone that shows up every day at the door at eight in the morning. Hello, I'm here to spend the whole day with you because it doesn't create the missing experience. The organism has to re-experience they're not here and now i because. Like, I need that missing experience of they weren't there. And that I'm now I get to experience the transformation of now they're here, right? Because what the organism wants is to have this transformational experience that wasn't completed in childhood. So this is the weird thing. We almost have to re-enter the pain for a chance for it to have a different positive outcome.
0: Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, but also so complex at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean to.
1: Yeah, I know. Let me give you an example and I hope this makes sense. Like one of the most powerful things I ever experienced when I was a trainee therapist, actually, I was working with a kid, right? And the kid had been in a car accident and the seatbelt wouldn't come off and he got stuck in the car. He got stuck in the car. Right. And so now he's like wetting the bed. He's having nightmares. Right. He's eight or nine years old. So he is a missing experience of being able to get out of the car. So eventually. Right. And trust me. And we like have a moment that we do the craft where we time travel like it's real. He's back. He's back in the car. And I have my arm across his chest as the seatbelt. And now he gets to use his strength to push my arm off his chest for reals. Imaginally, it's happening now. He gets out of the car. No more bedwetting. It's over. Because we went back to the place where it's happening again. But this time, we had a different outcome. This time, we had a different outcome. Same with a couple. I'm being abandoned again, right? Right. But so we want to get to the place. It's happening again. It's happening again. But maybe now with this one, not my parents, this partner, this spouse, maybe now I can have a different outcome. And the other spouse needs something different, the same. I'm not enough again. I'm powerless again. There's no way I'm going to be gutted again. I'm going to go to my room. I got to watch some basketball. I got to get away. But maybe this time we'll have a different outcome. And that's what I do. I try and create those different outcomes and the two of them hold each other, hug each other, have snot all over their noses and faces (laughs) and they're kissing each other. And it's like, now look what you mean to each other. Now we know who you both are. And now we know what you have to do for the rest of your life. you got to love these parts of each other and stop trying to pretend you're other than these vulnerable people. And then we do a three-way fist bump and say goodbye.
0: (laughs) Okay, so your company name is Empathy with an I on the end. And you do telehealth, correct, or telehealth yeah, account?
1: we're yeah, we do all we do counseling telehealth and coaching, right? And then we have online courses, and, like I said, the podcasts and the web app and all sorts of stuff. yeah,
0: and you can chat with people and do coaching all fifty states.
1: yeah, we can do coaching all fifty states. And most of us are licensed, like the team are mostly licensed in in California,
0: okay. Awesome. Well, I think this was a lot of great information. And I know we get asked in the clinic setting a lot of questions around this. And, you know, it's outside of of our expertise, but we try to give the best advice to the patient. We like to be able to send them somewhere or give them additional information or go listen to, you know, this podcast. So I think this was great and will help a lot of people on their journey.
1: I have a funny feeling that the best advice that most of your listeners got was okay, nun costume and priest costume, <laughs> con- confessional. Okay, got it.
0: That was the takeaway. That was the Check. big
1: takeaway. Okay, that's a that's a good one. Okay, right.
0: I interviewed a sex therapist last week and we joked her big takeaway was throw YKY jelly and use like Uber Lube or Slickwood or something like that. I'm like, literally the only thing people heard in this whole podcast was, that was it. stop using KY. They're all digging through their drawers now.
1: <laughs> if you'd get one, one good thing from these podcasts.
0: Yeah. You it. only that's have good. to, you, you only have to change one line. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for your time.
1: Thank you, Amy, so much for having me on.
0: Appreciate it.